Hi, I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Andy. Hi, I'm Letty. And you're listening to Taxpayers Australia's news and insights podcast, Tax Wrap. That's right, listeners, you're listening to Tax Wrap, episode 46 this week. My name is Nathan Hewitt and we're joined by Lisa and Andy. How are we, guys? Great to be here, Nate. Same here, Nate. It's fantastic to be here. Now, as lots of our members and listeners know, Taxpayers Australia spent almost the last 100 years campaigning for a fairer and simpler tax system. That involves dealing with the system's regulators, including the tax office, to best communicate the needs of the community. Over the last few months, tax agents and accountants have had some frustrations with the tax office's new compliance systems. Uh, Tax time scams have been rife too, so we talk to the tax office directly about solving these problems whenever we can. Today, we'd like to welcome Joyce Carenza from the tax office. Joyce is the Director of Practitioner Consultation and Engagement, and she's here today to answer questions about MyGov, the client correspondence list, debt recovery, scams, standard business reporting, sorry, and more. How are you, Joyce? I'm well. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks for joining us. So, Joyce, a lot of these questions have come in from our helpline calls, emails, and general conversations with members over the last couple of weeks and months. So, we're going to kick it off with the client correspondence list. So, Andy, what's the first question? Thanks, Joyce. Nice nice to have you on board. Um, Now, Joyce, one of the things that uh, some of our members who are uh, tax agents are experiencing at the moment is they're having a bit of frustration with the interaction between MyGov and the tax agent portal. And we do have one member who's expressed that they were unable to determine the refunds for their individual clients because Mm -hmm. that individual client's registered with with MyGov. And so all their uh, digital correspondence goes straight into their MyGov inbox. So is there any sort of way that an agent can find out if their clients receive such correspondence there, Joyce? Okay, what we do have is, um, is the client's correspondence list. So what happened back in March, um, we, we realised that we needed to increase um, or provide visibility for agents um, because correspondence was going through to their client's MyGov inbox. Um, clients of agents, um, when they actually signed up for MyGov and also then linked to MyTax, um, what happened then was um, they basically uh, agreed under the terms and conditions that all the correspondence would um, go to them through their MyGov inbox. And um, this was something that um, the, the tax office needed to sort of like work on immediately because all of a sudden the tax agents no longer had that visibility. So we did introduce the, um, the client's correspondence list. And I can, look, I can share that it's something that we didn't do well only recently, our commissioner um, made some statements around this to say that you know, um, no, it, it was something that um, we needed to improve on, and what we needed to improve on was consultation with practitioners when we make changes that obviously are going to impact um, their practices. So we've made that commitment and we are consulting at the moment. We've actually run a whole series of consultations around the client's correspondence list. And um, at the beginning it wasn't working very well, but I can say that it is working well now. And it's very important that um, you do go to our website and there are some very, very clear instructions of how to actually access the client's correspondence list. It is through the portal. And um, Andy, I'm sure that you've had a look at this. I think we had a discussion about this um, some time ago. And um, there, are, there are a number of screenshots that are on, the, um, on our website. 
which basically guide you through um, how to access the client's correspondence list. That's that's correct, Joyce. I was um, <clears throat> I was looking through it uh, the other day, and those screenshots are very very useful. To, and to the tax officer's credit, um, they do provide some some good instructions. So I do encourage. Uh, any of our members out there um, who are listening to to access the DATO website search client correspondence list and there are those uh, screenshots there to, which provide you instructions on how to access your um, your uh, client's um, correspondence, particularly the ones that are going through their uh, MyGov inbox. Yeah, and look, and, and we haven't um, at the moment got a client's correspondence list for BAS agents. We are consulting with BAS agents at the moment on, on the design of that. But more importantly, what we're doing in the meantime is we're providing an email. So when their clients are receiving correspondence, they will receive an email to alert them that, that this has occurred. So that's what we're doing as an interim measure. And that's for just for BAS agents, is it, Joyce? Yeah, the email is just for BAS agents. Tax agents can actually use the client's correspondence list. Okay, yeah. so with the client correspondence list, Joyce, that means that all the client correspondence will be able to be seen. So if you're if you're a taxpayer that uses an agent under the client correspondence list for the agent, all everything it will be on that list. Everything that is issued through um, uh, that that goes through the the inbox. Not all correspondence is is sent through to their um, MyGov inbox at the moment. Um, we've got some correspondence that will and some sent by the office that won't. Yeah, so look, eventually all correspondence will go through the, the, um, the inbox, but um, at the moment, the, the types of um, clients' correspondence that will go through the MyGov inbox is like activity statements and instalment notices, notice of assessments, I think that's what we were referring to earlier. So those notice of assess assessments are definitely through the inbox. Statement of accounts for income tax, payment arrangement letters. Um, there's a series of, um, of of types of letters that will go through the inbox, but not all letters. Some will still be issued through white mail. Um, and I did provide a list. Um, we did provide a list through um, through one of our forums recently. And Andy, you were at the mm -hmm. the um, APAG, which is the ATO Tax Practitioner Advisory Group. That's correct, Joyce. Provided Royce. that list. Happy for you to share that list with your members, so they'll know the types of correspondence that they will be able to see in MyGov. Thanks, Pat, Joyce. I mean, one of the other things that we've noticed, Joyce, is that um, you know you noticed uh, noted a little bit earlier that activity statements are also moving into their electronic form on yeah. MyGov uh, inboxes. So how's the ATO helping agents when it comes to lodging activity statements for, for these taxpayers? Well, yeah, there are changes to receiving paper activity, activity statements as well. So if you have a paper activity delivery preference for your individual and sole trader clients, so, and they are linked to MyGov, then they will no longer receive a paper activity statement or instalment notice by paper. Obviously, it's going to be linked to their MyGov. They will receive it electronically. And, um, and we will notify your clients directly via their MyGov inbox. So they'll get a, a note to say your, paper, your, your, um, your activity statements in your MyGov inbox. You will have access as a tax agent you, you will receive, um, through the client's correspondence list, you will know that that 
notice will would have been sent. So we will email BAS agents regular, regularly with lists of clients who, who have received um, activity statements or instalment notifications to their MyGov inbox. And at the same time, tax agents can access this notification correspondence in the client's correspondence list as well. So there's that visibility. So once um, you know somebody decides, yes, I, I want to get onto MyGov, link to the tax office, everything will be issued electronic and the visibility will be through, for a BAS agent, it will be via an email or through a tax agent will be the client's correspondence list. So, yeah, that's very clear, Joyce. So, so the thing, the one thing for tax agents to note then is that they need to regularly check their the client correspondence list function uh, to ensure that uh, you know their client's correspondence being picked up. But in the immediacy, there's no push notification to um, for tax agents similar to to the BAS agents. Is that something that you're working down the track? Yeah, we're working on that. Um, look. With the push notification, that's something that we are consulting on. It's a bit difficult because I'd have to say it's not a one-size-fits-all. Some of the larger practices, they're saying, well, we receive so much correspondence. If there's a, a, like a push notification every time something's sent, it's just, just going to become overwhelming. Yeah. Um, whilst the smaller practices are saying, yes, a push, push notification would be great. It basically tells us that we need to have a look at our client's correspondence list. Um, I think the possibility is that it mightn't be a one-size-fits-all, so um, we're, we're looking at designing something that meets um, the different practice needs. Obviously, you've got your smaller end practitioners and you've got your larger end, so that's something that we need to build into the design. And that's, and that's something we're happy to work with the tax office with Joyce as, as Taxpayers Australia. So if our members Absolutely. do have, if our members do have any um, suggestions as to how uh, the client correspondence list could be improved or in terms of what the requirements are, we're always happy to hear from you. Could I then plug um, if anyone wants to get involved in consultation that they can register for consultations on the website? Um, it, it's under tax professionals and um, key links and there's the next drop down is consultations and anyone any of your members are encouraged to register for consultation and it's not as if we're going to inundate them daily you know to, to consult but it could be that they do provide us some details of their practice size um, their area of expertise and so when we're consulting on different issues we then have a look at Okay, who is registered for consultation? So we then try and ensure that we bring the right people to the table. And many times we need to consult quite broadly, um, like we would, for example, on this push notification. So if people want to get involved, the best way to do that um, is to register for consultation. Fantastic, Joyce. We'll be sure to put that link in the description of the podcast. Uh, so that people can follow that link directly. Now, we're moving on to debt recovery now. Lisa, what's our first question on debt recovery? Yeah, hi, Joyce. Um, so what we're talking about here is um, what's the ATO's current approach to, to debt recovery? Um, our approach is to build trust and confidence in um, our management of payment, um, payment compliance and debt. Our focus continues to be on making it easy, as easy as possible for individuals and businesses to understand and pay their obligations. Um, we're offering um, 
we, we basically offer and looking at expanding a range of contemporary tools and services to make it easier for people to uh, make arrangements. So we're including an online payment plan and we also provide SMS payment reminders just to remind people, yes, you've got a payment that's due. So I suppose it's about making it easier for taxpayers to pay on time and manage any debt that does arise. Um, we also take um, a more uh, stronger action to prevent those who are um, who don't pay or or also like gaining an advantage an unfair financial advantage of those, over those people who do pay on time so it's about creating um, very much a level playing field as well okay Joyce so um you mentioned that there'll be an SMS coming out from the tax office um, mm -hmm. if you've got a payment plan so that is one one um, area where you will actually push out a text message to people. Yes. We're just a bit mindful that, I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later with scams and things like that, mm. but um, you will actually, people will actually receive a text message just like I do saying the ATO portal's down for maintenance on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a scam. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair, fair enough. But it's, just, it's just more making sure because we, we do get on, on average um, questions regarding this. And yeah. um, there was also something that I received from a helpline call um, a couple of weeks ago about um, a third party organisation offering to negotiate their their debt, um, mm -hmm. the debts with the ATO on their behalf. Have you had any um, exposure to that sort of area as well, Joyce? Um. Look, I do know that, you know, if, if people are a bit worried that they're not speaking to the right person, that they're not actually speaking to someone from the ATO, and I do know that we've got external providers as well, so we do outsource our debt collection work, it's important that um, you ring the office, you ring back, they'll give you a number to ring back and we'll, we'll make sure that, to give you comfort that you are speaking to the person that you need to be speaking to and they're from the ATO. Um, that's, some, that is a, that's definitely something that we do encourage if people have um, concerns. And, look, and, and with all the scams that are going on at the moment, um, and a lot of them, and I have to say that the, the biggest bulk of um, scams that are happening are phone scams. So it, it, is, it would be important that you encourage your members to ring back the office. So, Joyce, is the best prevention awareness then? Is there anything that the tax Absolutely. office do? Absolutely. So, are we going to talk about scams now? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great if we could segue through that. Right, I think it, yeah, it look, sort of came um, through organically. <laughs> definitely. Look, uh, look, I just mentioned with phone scams, that is our number one type of um, scam in Australia. Look, scammers can, can impersonate ATO employees um, to obtain personal information, um, and it's all about financial gain, obviously. Um, and... What happens is normally um, what you'll find is they, the phone scammers will demand payment for an unexpected debt um, or offer an unexpected refund or grant. What, what I would look, I think with the offer, not just I, what, what the office always does um, say is, it, look, it's important that you let your clients know that they do have a tax agent and if they do receive these type of calls, let, let the person at the other end say, call my agent, call my tax agent, I've got a tax agent, you would have those details, call my agent. So refer them back and more than likely they're not going to call back. Um, because what, what they want to do is they want to try and collect personal information. So it's important that you let your clients know 
never ever to provide anyone with a tax file number, um, their MyGov username or password, bank accounts or credit card details, driver's license, Medicare or passport details. Those type of details can obviously lead to identity fraud. Joyce, that was something that we... Sorry, please continue. That was something that we talked about in a podcast a couple of weeks ago, that yeah. a lot of the time when you're dealing with telephone scammers, that it's it's sort of an art in a way. I don't want to give them too much uh, credence, but we're talking about social engineers. We're talking about people who can almost tug at your heartstrings yeah. in some cases to get you to give up your personal information. Now, mm-hmm. is there anything specifically that tax agents can do to help their clients? Is it just a case of making sure their clients are aware, hey, look, this is tax time. Uh, you may be getting calls from people who purport to be from the tax office, but they're actually not. Is there anything that tax agents can do to, to help during this time? Look, one thing that um, for your clients, if, if um, get them to call back, one thing you, you can tell your clients to do is um, to call, you can either to call you or they can call the office on 132861 and report that they feel that they may be a victim of a scam or, and provide the details of what occurred. If they've received an email, you can then um, actually forward the entire email to report email fraud at ato.gov.au. Now that's really important because um, we'll actually get hold of that letter, and obviously we do have people that behind the scenes who who have a look at have a look at this quite seriously. So it's about letting the office know, and if they've provided any information, and we'll see what we find is we find people that have actually got caught up in the scam and got off the phone and think, oh no, I don't think that, maybe that wasn't the tax office, call us immediately. Either call call tax agent or call the ATO immediately. Let us know and if you've provided any bank details, let your clients know to ring their bank straight away. So that's the best advice we can give. Um, One thing that we're doing in the ATO to reduce the number of people getting scammed is is that um, we've introduced voice authentication to our phone systems and this is available for your clients and will soon be available for practitioners too. That's something that we're working on. So this is an extra layer of security that will help us reduce the chances of scammers accessing information. Joyce, turn to complex complex issues resolution service. Uh, Andy, that first question there, do you mind taking us away with that? Sure, no worries there, Nath. Um, as you were mentioning there, Joyce, uh, you know, sort of there's voice of authentic- uh, authentication for tax practitioners, but if, as a tax practitioner or tax agent, what happens if I stumble across an issue that's unresolved or it's a bit too difficult? Is there, is there any way that the tax office can help there with the uh, Complex Issues Resolution Service? Absolutely. It's a really great service too, with a very quick turnaround of between three and five days and um, we're getting more and more issues that are coming through now because uh, more and more people are hearing about this service. Basically it is a service um, which it's around administrative and technical interpretation so it's for for both um, type of issues. So if you've been unable to resolve an issue through our normal online channels um, or by phoning us um, this is the service that you should use. So you've hit a bit of a brick wall. You know, you've tried to resolve the issue yourself. So what you, what I would encourage people to do is it is um, 
send it to, now there are two ways, you can actually send it online or email. Um, so you go to the website and um, it's under tax professionals and it's key links and you've got complex the complex issue resolution form which is a drop down link and you can complete the form or you can send us an email um, to tax, tax practitioner assistance at ato.gov.au. Now the type of issues we're looking at are administrative type issues where um, they're outside the norm and you're not able to resolve these, like I said, through our standard processes. And for technical, it's around providing um, general advice, it's guidance, so it's not technically, it's not, it's not a, um, so it's, it's not advice, it's guidance, so advice being binding, this is non-binding, but it, it's come from the ATO, so obviously um, you, can, you can use this if you needed to use it for, if you needed a reasonable argument position, yep. obviously um, using this service gives you that comfort. So, so if you're in a situation where, um, you know, you, we've got change legislation or you've got complex or there's a number of technical related issues, this is a really good service to use. Um, and um, yeah, so you've got the guidance and you've got administrative. So I, I always refer it to, you've hit a brick wall, you've tried using um, everything that's available in the ATO, but um, you've got nowhere. Um, use this service, it's got a really good quick turnaround. It is for tax practitioners and it's also, like so you've got tax agents and BAS agents can use this service and legal practitioners can too. But I must also stipulate it is not for complaints. Sure, yeah. sure. So we don't want complaints. Sure. I mean, one of the things, Joyce, was um, we have started to encourage our members to, to use that complex resolution service as well. Um, there's been a couple of calls that we've received and we've said, look, you know, if the issue's a little bit too difficult or if they've hit the, the brick walls, you put mm. it, we've, we've asked our members to, to you know, um, use use the actual tools that you have available on that website. I have had a look at that form and it is it is just a one-page form and it is very yeah. uh, simple to fill out. Yeah, we find it very beneficial as well if it's like pending legislation as well, Joyce. We're not really mm. sure what that transitional provision, so if it's, you know, legislation by press release, um, you know, we then can sort of have a bit of a, if it's anything retrospective, you know, what can we suggest, you know, what's the, what's the best uh, way to progress um, when we give our guidance to our members through our helpline as well. Yeah, and you know, the real benefit of the service, um, and this is what I've, I've actually got from practitioners themselves, just through feedback through open forums and so forth, is those, they actually keep the link in their favourites. Yeah. So yeah. If they need to use the service, it's there. But what they like is, you only speak to one person. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to get the run around, you know, no, sorry, this is not my area, I need to refer you here or whatever. You'll just speak to one person who will also get back to you with the, the guidance or the, the you know, whatever, um, the, the resolution to your issue. I've got to so say, that sounds fantastic. That yeah. is the, yeah, I'd have to say that is a real bonus and that's what, that's what agents tell us they love. Yeah, because, you know, the, the average taxpayer that will ring up the tax office might say, you know, I'm talking to someone that's just going through a checklist. So mm. at least, you know, with these sort of more advanced and complex issues, at least we're talking, you know, talking to the one person that can actually resolve the issue to the to the best of their abilities, which is great, Joyce. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is the real benefit of this service. And this is why, um, 
Um, the numbers of um, issues are coming through are slowly climbing. Okay. But, um, but it is a great service and I do know that um, it's one that we want to support. Okay, fantastic, Joyce. Well, let's um, move on and uh, we're now up to taxes full of jargon and so we've been talking about ELS and SBR and all these wonderful things. So um, let's talk about standard business reporting, which, you know, from from my sort of high-level view, it's sort of all happening in the background, but it's basically a move in the back end of lodging of tax returns that um, is going to just change the protocol. So... Um, can you just explain sort of how this is going to impact the agents for 2016 and then, as you know, we've been sitting on committees for 2020 as well? Mm. Well, with the um, standard business reporting, look, I think I think what we need to have a look at is um, I think there's just been so much talk about standard business reporting and, and I've done some research myself um, just to get, get my head around it as well um, and spoken to people within the ATO and look, in, in the 2016 tax time software upgrade, um, it's very important for all agents that um, they actually do speak to their software providers to ensure that their software is standard business reporting enabled. So it's something that will occur through a software upgrade um, where, where your, your software then becomes enabled with standard business reporting. Now, a lot of agents don't really understand what standard business reporting means. Basically, it is, um, the best way to describe it is when you report something to government, it's, so it's, it's a government initiative, when you report something to, to government, you will only report it once because through standard business reporting, um, all the information will filter through all government agencies. Mm-hmm. So. And so it'll make it easier for you to interact with multiple government agencies or departments as the information is already available through your software and can be reused to report to other government agencies. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, it does there, Joyce. Um, you know, we were talking about it uh, offline the other day that, mm. um, you know, with this move to standard business reporting, you know, sort of forms and information will populate. And so that, you know, from from the viewpoint of a, an agent that provides you with a little bit more time, you understand that the, the data is correct and it's accurate. So it gives yeah. you a bit more time to do a bit more analysis. Is that mm. fair to say? Well, we found that, look, I know a lot of agent, BAS agents that I've spoken to have been SBR enabled for quite some time. And they basically said, yeah, we're SBR enabled and we didn't even know it. It was that seamless because it just happened through their software. So they're lodging activity statements through SBR and they said it, and it's so much easier because you're not having to shift between screens anymore. It all happens through your software. So it, is, um, it does save you time there as well. Um, the other side of this, in 2016, um, with the software upgrade, um, there are some other initial benefits as well. The ability to make client updates immediately rather than having to wait overnight. The ability to make bulk client updates, you know, so if you need to do a bulk update of your client list or something like that, you can do that in one hit. And access to pre-fill reports with the most up-to-date information. So everything's going to be so much more timely. So it's all going to be all going to be like just in time now going forward, yeah. isn't it, Joyce? But exactly. but I mean, as you said, I mean, I've been sitting in in the forums with all the software providers. Um, it's it's basically 
as far as you know, as you said, with the Baz agents, you know, it's it just it's just going to happen as far as our our agents and things like that are concerned, isn't it? It's just like whether the software's in the cloud or or not yes. in the cloud. It's just sort of it's just going to work. Only just happens. Yeah. And a lot of agents aren't even aware that it's happening. Yeah. Um, it's really funny because I actually um, sat in a discussion group, and um, there was a and we were talking about SBR, and um, one one agent said to another agent. You are already SBR enabled. And he goes, really? <laughs> that does demonstrate it is seamless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't even know it's happened. And I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. I mean, ELS, SBR, who cares? As long as everything works exactly. and um, the benefits are going to be that you only have to report once and everything gets populated. Mm. Now, there's, you know, there's some of our members that also say, well, it's going to make us obsolete and everything like that, but it just means that you're going to be able to check the information instead of data entry the information, but also you should be able to add more value to our clients to your clients when you're actually talking to them as well as how we feel. Lisa, that's spot on. Excellent. That, that's, exactly, that's exactly as it is. Um, it's not about making agents obsolete. It's about providing more timely information and... Um, yeah, and who wants to be who, who wants to be there just as a data entry person, really? It, it just does away with a lot of that. Um, it increases an agent's productivity at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and, and it adds more value. Yeah, I think you can charge more for more added value. That's the way that I look at it. Um, but I was talking to some of your colleagues at one of the um, the 2020 forums mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and um, she even said that I said, oh, it's a little bit tricky when you have um, shares and then you have dividend reinvestments and everything like that. And um, Sally said to me, Lisa, what happens if I could actually do all that for you? And I go, that would save me a lot of grunt work. So, I mean, I see that as being a, being a benefit in the long term as well. Yeah. I think, I think the key message at this point in time is for, me, for your members would be to speak to your software providers to make sure that the software that you currently have um, will be if not is already SBR enabled, will be SBR enabled. And if there's anything that they need to do to ensure that, you know, um, if there is any support that they need or anything like that um, to get those conversations happening. And we also help them as well because we've got a direct line with a lot of these forums and things like that with a lot of the mm -hmm. software vendors as well, Joyce. So we do a lot of that on their behalf as well. Yeah. Great. Now, moving on, Joyce, um We've been working a lot uh, closely with the ATO, um, with APAG and some of the other groups in, with respect to a certainty letter. Mm. Now, we understand that this certainty letter will go out to roughly uh, 500,000 uh, individual taxpayers this tax time. And really that certainty letter is to provide taxpayers, uh, individual taxpayers with some comfort that their tax returns or their tax affairs for that year are okay. So can you explain a little bit more about um, this certainty letter, Joyce? Um, look, at the moment, the intent of the certainty letter is it's a trial and it is about um, providing certainty to individuals with straightforward affairs. So that's what we have to remember, they're straightforward affairs. And these, these, um, these uh, taxpayers um, have met their obligations um, for 2015 um, and we just want to let them know that their um, income tax affairs are closed. Um, it's also known as the OK letter or the certainty letter, so sometimes it gets to referred to as both. Um, so that, that's what it's about, um, but um, there are some, some parameters set around who will receive um, one of these letters. And at the, at the beginning, um, around, in October, which is 
very soon, um, about half a million taxpayers will be impacted. So um, the, the, the type of people who will receive these letters um, will be those who, um, who have lodged their returns electronically, either through MyTax, eTax or via a tax agent. So, so I presume, Joyce, that um, that certainty letter will hit their MyGov inbox? Absolutely, yep, spot on. <laughs> You'll know whether or not they've received We know one. where to look first <laughs> now, don't we? <laughs> because I'm quite sure if someone does receive one, they'll also ring you to say, what's this about? Sure, sure. Uh, uh, so my... you will know that they've received it. And... Look, and, and like I said, look, and their, their taxable income for the half a million that will receive... Um, uh, these letters will be below $180,000 a year. And it, it's taxpayers whose only income was from salary and wages, allowances or a pension, some gross interest, dividends, so the more simple type returns. But one of, one of the factors also is that they've had good lodgement compliance and debt history. So overall, they're, they're you know, like good taxpayers and um, we just want to reward them with a... Uh, uh, okay, a certainty letter. Well, I'm looking forward to receiving mine, Joyce, based on that criteria. <laughs> I was just noticing Lisa was pointing to herself when you were mentioning... <laughs> but not everyone who actually meets all that criteria will be receiving one because at the oh. beginning it is a pilot. Oh. But we are looking at extending the pilot. You know, it depends on how the phase one pilot works. And when we go out to further consultation, whether or not we'll actually go out further and there'll be a phase two. So you might get a letter. If you don't get phase one, you could get get it in phase two. Sure. All right. Um, I mean, it was one of those things, Joyce, I've, you know, uh, because we did, uh, taxpayers did work with the tax office and other, um, mm. other member bodies in terms of its design. And I have to say it's... For only four paragraphs, it was so much work had gone into that actual letter just to, to make sure that tax... It's so intensive, you think. <laughs> you were at um, in Brisbane in the co-design centre when we had a look at that letter and it, it's just amazing how we actually set, separated the group so we had two different members looking at the same letter and how their views were very different. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's about when we design these letters, trying to consider, okay, what is the best way forward? So, yeah, you got to witness that, Andy. So yeah, it was, a very, it was a very insightful process in terms of, you know, how much work does go into these letters, just so that taxpayers have that certainty and assurance. Now, yeah. in terms of tax agents, in terms of uh, letting them know that their clients will receive this, this letter, what, what are some of the processes that, that's going to be involved within the next month or so, Joyce? Well, we advising tax agents about the trial through a mix of consultations and various tax agent forums, which you are a part of, Andy. Sure. And Lisa as well, you'll hear these messages. But also there will be some broad-based communi communication activities as well. In addition, tax agents will be notified via normal ATO channels if they receive, if the clients receive a letter. So through the client's correspondence. Please. Sure, sure. I mean, it, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that once say, once an individual client receives it, they'll probably come to their tax agent. So, but I also note that uh, there is some information that's already gone up on the ATO website as well, ato.gov, that does explain, uh, you know, how this trial works and the, the sort of information to expect. It sits under, I think it's in the individual's website. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Individuals. Yeah. Now, Joyce, what are some of the other ways that the ATO is providing practitioner support? Oh, 
waterways. Um, yeah, um, look, this is something that um, we're working on quite a bit at the moment. Um, look, we want to ensure that, you know, like tax agents and tax uh, bus agents have a really clear understanding of the support and services that are available to them for their day-to-day -day work. Um, in March, we actually held um, consultations, face-to-face -face consultations with um, about 50 tax agents and bus agents to find out how we could improve the information available, but also how we best offer support and services to tax agents and bus agents. So based on the feedback um, we heard, we've been reviewing a lot of our current online and supporting information that's on our website. And we've already uh, made um, uh, quite a few revisions to the tax agent portal and bath agent portal information on the website. Um, also, um, what you will be seeing based on the um, feedback that we received was um, we've got a revised services and support menu on the tax professional segment on, on the website where it's a lot easier to navigate now. We also have, um, well, this is something that we're consulting on at the moment, a portal dashboard. Um, Andy, have you heard about the portal dashboard? It's, it's new to me, Joyce. Uh, can you explain I a little bit? Yeah, well, this is how new it is, and it's under consultation. And we've actually um, consulted quite widely on this and with a range of um, practices, um, types of practices. And the purpose of this is to provide you with a portal performance and availability at, at the portal login screen. So when you log on, there's a, there's a dashboard that tells you um, how well the portal's running. So if it's down, you'll know straight away. And um, if some of, the, um, some of the functions are a bit slow, you'll know. Um, and if it's traveling really well, you'll know too. So, and the design of that portal is something that we've consulted on, and that's something that's coming out very soon. Okay, so hot off the press, uh, a dashboard to the portals coming very soon. Is that uh... so? That's the dashboard. Also, we've, um, we've revised the tax agent service and bus agent services guides, which you can now download and are in a printable version because previously they weren't. And we've also got some videos to assist you in common functions in the portal. A lot of agents are still not aware of all the functionality that is available. So we're producing videos as well. As you know, we've got the fast key codes and we've got our website, which, you, which we do encourage members to go to. But also, like we've discussed complex resolution, but the other bit is, um, you know, if you need help with your lodgement program, you know, if you know, circumstances have happened, which, you know, obviously, um, don't permit you from, from meeting your lodgement, let us know. And there's a, there are a range of research assistance and training resources also available um, on, on the website, um, yeah, to support agents as well. But I think um, the service which I would promote um, at the moment and to really let your members know is because a lot of the stuff that they've been using the fast key codes and they do know it's a complex issues resolution is um, is a service that's fairly new and um, we really need to promote.
Yeah, that sounds fantastic, Joyce. Just picking up on something that you mentioned about the def the lodgement deferral program. Um, how's that's working at the moment? I remember when I was back in practice, it was sort of like if you put in, um, if you've got a, a, a client which has got good compliance history, you know, 28 days on their income tax return is pretty much um, a given. Um, mm -hmm. So how, how's that working at the moment? Um, some of our members are just having, it's, it's sort of like their deferral application's gone into the ether and they get um, a letter saying um, you've, you, you've failed to lodge um, you know within in the month or something like that so um, how's that working at the moment Joyce? Um, to be honest I don't know the answer to that one. That's all right. I was, I was, I was, I was trying because it was off it was it was off our list because um, one yeah. of one of and our members asked me yesterday. Yeah I, I, I don't think there has been much change I know there's a new deferral form. Okay. Um, so I'm hoping that does make things easier and with that when you actually put in the deferral form um, you get a receipt, mm -hmm. so, so you know that it, it's been lodged, um, but I'm not quite sure, but I can find out for you, um, that's something that we can take offline and, and um, I can speak to um, um, one of my counterparts and um, get that advice to you guys. That's fantastic. I think that's one of the, the great takeaway points from this podcast, is the fact that we can have a conversation that's so closely linked to our regulator and, and if there's anything that we're not sure about, we can clear that up pretty easily. So that's really good news for tax uh, practitioners. And Joyce, I think this episode has been pretty much the ultimate news resource for tax <laughs> professionals, at least for the next couple of months. And we have you to thank for that. So uh, if there's nothing else you'd like to add, um, I think we'll wrap up Tax Wrap episode 46. And we'd love to, love to have you again, Joyce. Yeah, please come back anytime. You're most welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Joyce. Thanks, Joyce.